designing, manufacturing, marketing, and selling a new product can be a daunting endeavor. Today on the Financial Operating Base, we'll be discussing the journey of the Lagio Lap Desk with Troy Goldhammer, U.S. Army veteran and founder of Aon Gold. Welcome to the Financial Operating Base, a podcast and community to help you, the veteran entrepreneur, to navigate the terrain and accomplish your mission of business success. And joining us today is Troy Goldhammer, a U.S. Army veteran and founder of Eon Gold. Troy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, let's just start off. Tell us about your time in the military, um, your time since then, and what eventually led you to starting Eon Gold. Sure. I uh, graduated from the United States Military Academy in 1988. Uh, upon graduation, I went into the infantry. Uh, was a platoon leader in the infantry, then went through special forces qualification. I spent uh, about eight years in special operations. I commanded two different teams in special operations and then spent some time at the Joint Special Operations Command, uh, JSOC for, for many folks. Uh, in 1998, I got uh, out of the military. I joined a small startup, technology startup, here in San Antonio, Texas, where Eon Gold is based. Uh, I spent about a year with that technology company and got invited to join a venture capital firm up in Austin, Texas. This was right in the time frame of the dot-com era. We spent uh, just under uh, three years with the venture capital firm. Uh, we had just under a billion under management. Luckily, we were not uh, doing any investment into dot-com. However, we were going out to raise our second fund and the, and the crash happened and the uh, partners of the firm decided to roll the firm up at that point in time because there was no uh, funding available for a second round or a second fund. At the same time, uh, I met my then-to-be wife. Uh, uh, she was going through her residency in the, in the Army. Uh, the Army gave her a choice of Hawaii and uh, one other location. We decided to uh, take the Hawaii option. We uh, left uh, to, yeah, it was a great spot. We went to Hawaii for uh, four years. I joined Booz Allen. Uh, at the time, we were doing commercial consulting, although it was in a large defense-related practice. Uh, we were a, an anomaly within Booz Allen because of our relationship on the both commercial and defense side. Uh, and so I led a team of commercial consultants as well as uh, reaching back into the firm's capabilities all around the world to uh, deliver uh, consulting practice to companies and uh, defense partners uh, around the world, from Europe to Asia to US-based companies. Uh, after four years of traveling the world and having two kids, uh, I came back or was recruited back to San Antonio to uh, another technology company. We, uh, I came back to that company and eventually was promoted to uh, chief operating officer of, uh, of that company. Uh, we built it up until the point at which we sold it off. Uh, we, we had a significant uh, improvement in operations as well as uh, overall uh, EBITDA on that company and, and successfully sold it. 
I was recruited to uh, an aerospace company up in Austin, Texas. And for the last seven years, I had been managing uh, the aerospace company up in Austin. When I say aerospace, we did both commercial as well as military aerospace, as well as military products, and a little bit into the oil and gas industry. So we did a, a variety of things, but the the majority of our uh, products and revenue came into the uh, aerospace area. After seven years of uh, commuting back and forth to Austin, I had uh, met with a, uh, a now a good friend who was a uh, brilliant software engineer. He had roots in Texas and wanted to make his way back to, uh, to Texas. He's currently living in the Silicon Valley area. Uh, we had come up with a business plan for uh, a very different style of company. It was an industrial technology company uh, with some seed money actually coming out of SOCOM, Special Operations Command. Uh, unfortunately, he uh, was working for another company and they got wind of his imminent departure and put an offer on the table that uh, was just too good to, to leave. And so we have shuttered that business plan and I went back to my other founders and I said, all right, our engineer is out. We need to come up with a plan because I've already hired, trained and walked out of my aerospace company. I'm willing to fund it. I'm willing to uh, you know, do almost anything. Let's take a look at it. I wanna see if we can do it without going out and raising you know, additional outside capital initially. I want to try to fund it ourselves. And so we started surveying the market uh, looking at various alternatives. And as I tell a lot of people, uh, we have become accidental consumer product guys. All of the founding team or founding members are come from industrial technology backgrounds from my head of operations, marketing, engineering. Everybody was uh, coming from a, a more B2B background rather than a B2C. And so those are some hurdles that we had to overcome over the, over the last year and a half uh, plus of design, development, engineering, manufacturing, et cetera. But the aha moment for us is we looked at the market where, where we were at, a couple of the parameters that I gave the team was, I wanna find something that has a big enough market space that, that we can be profitable as a company. I'm not looking to do a one hit wonder, I wanna create a great company. And I wanna be able to do it in cash flow within a year uh, of starting operations. Uh, the challenges that we, uh, saw that were out there was uh, across a wide variety of products and, and technologies. Uh, many of them were too big in scope for me to personally fund, although we've put quite a bit into Eon Gold already. But what we ultimately came upon in the aha moment was actually watching my wife working on the couch. She, uh, she was working on her laptop and she had it balanced on her knees and she had a, a small breakfast table off to her side where she could use a uh, external mouse. I said, hey, let me get on Amazon. Let me take a look at what's out there, what's available. And so I started doing some searching on Amazon and identified many, many different uh, lap desks that are available on the market. All of them in the, call it five to $50 range in price. All of them low cost, utilitarian, low in features, low in aesthetically pleasing uh, capabilities. And that was the, at the moment in time where I went back to the team and said, let's take a look at the lap desk market and let's look at the broader market of the digital lifestyle. As we all know, everyone is engaged with their laptops, uh, uh, tablets, phones, and other devices constantly. 
And we wanted to create a company around that idea of the digital lifestyle with the flagship product out of the start of the, uh, the Lazio lap desk, as we've named it. And that is what we're getting ready to come to market with here in, in just a, uh, a couple of months. We'll have inventory uh, in September of 2019. That's, that's really a cool story. And by the way, um, we have some similar background along with kind of a special operations background. Um, I have Texas roots. I went to UT Austin actually, and uh, I, I went and uh, spent some time at Booz Allen once upon a time as well. So that's kind of cool. We have that. Um, tell me a little bit. So it sounded like you had a business idea and something that you were starting to build and then your partner left. So you kind of, it almost sounds like you went back to square one to find a new product. You had the team, you just needed, needed a new product. Tell us briefly what sort of the first idea was. Um, and then talk through some of the, the lessons or philosophies that allowed you to do that pivot. I know you kind of explained how you and your wife are sitting there and then you've identified this kind of gap when you were looking for something, but what was the original idea? And then what kind of allowed you to, to think creatively, openly um, to make that pivot and then go into like the design and testing? So throughout my career, uh, I have been constantly evolving as a, uh, leader, manager, and also technical on the strategy, finance, and engineering side. And within special operations, as you know, and, and Joe knows, the part of what uh, uh, is, makes a special operations leader the capability set is going into unknown environments, being able to adapt to those environments, and being able to deal with whatever you have at hand, because oftentimes we were in remote locations, just as they are today, but in remote locations, uh, oftentimes with very limited or no communication to the outside world uh, compared to the communication that's available today. And so that's, that was just kind of the early days. Booz Allen was a terrific training ground because of the uh, type and style of companies that we would walk into from generally we were medium to large corporate entities. Sometimes we, we operated with small uh, companies, but that was really rare that we would do that. So we would walk, oftentimes walk into uh, very unknown environments in Booz Allen as a consultant. Uh, oftentimes the customer would think that they knew what the problem was. They would say, problem A is the problem and I want you to solve problem A. But problem A was just a indicator of what the real problem was and problem b if you solved it would also solve problem a and oftentimes that would lead us down a path of really helping that was the value that we brought into an organization so that and along with a lot of executive management experience at uh, two different companies uh, that brings you across the spectrum of uh, activities from accounting finance engineering, operations, uh, supply chain, customer service, all of those areas as an entrepreneur, uh, you have to kind of figure those things out for yourself. And so even though we have a small, tightly compacted team, each one of us are, are fulfilling multiple duties uh, in, the, in the development and launch of Eon Gold. And so part of, you know, as we looked at the market, we had a lot of ideas of, of where we wanted to go with uh, a variety of different products and we did market research on a lot of them. And then the aha moment, as I described with my wife on the lap desk, that brought us into the realm of the digital lifestyle products. 
my first en envisionment embodiment of what the lap desk would look like is a much more a, a, a smaller, more portable, something you could slip into a backpack, something that you could carry in your briefcase, but also use in your in your home environment. As we went through a uh, ideation phase uh, and then into a design phase uh, for our Lagio lap desk, it evolved into a platform strategy. What we identified uh, relatively quickly in the market was most of the the uh, lap desks that are available are utilitarian. They, they have one purpose and they do only one thing. And, and generally speaking, it's they don't look that nice and they're kind of comfortable. They do keep the uh, the PC or tablet up off your legs, but besides that, they don't do much else. And for us, it was a, uh, especially as I looked at scale and how do we build a company around this and not just have that, as I described, one hit wonder, we wanted to create a platform off of the Lagio so that we could introduce other accessories, other products, just in that one product line of, of lap desk. And then we have customization strategies and a whole lot of other capabilities that we're going to be rolling out over the course of the next six months um, as we do further design development on accessory products and other things that go along with the, the current existing Lagio product line. Hey Troy, when you first became of the uh, Lagio lap desk when you launched your Kickstarter campaign, tell us what made you all decide to use Kickstarter to, to launch the product and what was that experience like? That's a great question. So when we started out the uh, the process of developing the Lagio lap desk and accessory products to go with it, uh, funding was not necessarily the, the hardest issue for us. For many people, many entrepreneurs, Kickstarter is the only way that they're gonna get the product off the ground. It's the only way that they could launch it because they needed the cash flow in order for them to make the investments on whether it's you know, buying inventory or doing the design and development. For us, that was not the issue. The rationale why we ultimately chose to do a Kickstarter was we wanted the market research. We wanted the market feedback on what the product was and what the product would be in the future. And that gave us a, a really uh, great audience. It wasn't exactly the right target demo uh, for us that we thought initially would be the, the target demo for the product. We originally thought based on some of the initial market research, our demographics were gonna be uh, someone that was 30 to 50 years old, uh, middle to upper income, likely tending towards uh, male uh, as a uh, kind of a dominant thing. And then people that often are, are woodwork at home as well as use their other digital devices for uh, entertainment purposes, social media, uh, uh, surfing the internet, doing, watching movies or listening to music or whatever it might be. What the, what the audience on Kickstarter tends to be a younger uh, group of demographics. It, it, it tends more heavily or skewed heavily towards male uh, that get onto a Kickstarter. And so that kind of skewed our results just a little bit but what we also found was uh, there was a lot of great opportunity in that younger generation market and where we can evolve our product to that would allow us to break out of that 30 to 50 year old and take it down into the 20 and 30 year olds that really are using these digital devices all the time. And for us, that was a, a very significant uh, uh, 
aha that we got out of the Kickstarter. We also found out that women were very interested in this product because of the comfort factor, the cooling factor, as well as the, the Bluetooth speakers. Um, I, I don't know if, how well you know the Lagio product, but on our desk, you can, on a module, you can slide in uh, wireless Bluetooth speakers. And the Bluetooth speakers actually in the broader market is probably a five to $6 billion market just in and of itself. And our Bluetooth speakers, what people want to use it for is to be able to watch movies, but not have uh, earbuds or headphones or cheap little, you know, the speaker that and they're not cheap, the, the speakers that come on your phones or other tablets or other devices. Our speakers are, are, are high-end speakers that really give you that great tone and sound, and people were just loving that aspect to break away while they're using their devices, whether for work or for play, which is where the Lazio name comes from. It's a combination of a couple Italian words, uh, and I'm not going to try to say them because I'll, I'll mess them up, but it, you know, it's two Italian words that equate to work and play, and we see that as where the Lazio line is going for. One thing that fascinates me about all all kind of avenues of entrepreneurship, and you alluded to this at the beginning, was sort of figure all the different things out. Um, and especially in manufacturing, and you're building out both a company and a concept and a culture and a product, you've had to source different hard manufacturers to produce uh, the different parts that make up the product and the product itself. Um, so what was that process like trying to find a manufacturer because you're not, you know, you're not a desk manufacturer by trade, um, right. so that's something you had to source. Talk us through that process a little bit. So that was a, certainly a challenging aspect and, it, and really it comes down to trust because as we looked at our product, we knew that based on our price point and our margins where we, we knew that we were going to be at, we we're likely going to have to offshore the manufacturing of this product. And so we did some investigation onshore and we just, we knew that we would never get to the price point uh, in cost that would allow us to be successful with the product line. Uh, in my aerospace uh, days, I had a design and engineering firm that I had worked with uh, in the past. And that comes back to that trust uh, part of the equation. I knew the, the owner, the founder, uh, a great engineer in his own right and had great engineers on staff. And so I had gone to him and he had actually been in the product development world for a long time. Uh, he had done a, a, a handful of products for me in the aerospace world. And I actually hired one of his engineers to come work with me at the aerospace company. Uh, and so through those connections and he had, uh, developed and owns or has the ownership however that might be related in China of a couple of factories there and through those uh, connections he has been my design and engineering partner as well as my manufacturing partner I also have uh, another engineering and uh, manufacturing firm from a classmate of Joe and I's uh, that is also involved and he's also doing a uh, manufacturing for us and he will be doing part of that manufacturing in China and part of it over in Tennessee. And so for us, uh, it is really coming down to that trust relationship that we've developed, you know, through a, a long series of um, other alternate or other uh, 
business dealings that we've had together. And so for new entrepreneurs that are looking for those partners, the challenge uh, uh, is really identifying those partners that you can build that trust quickly. And I absolutely would recommend anybody that you want to work with, you got to go meet face to face, see their facility, shake their hand, know that, uh, you know, their word is their bond. And that is absolutely, you know, critical because as you're laying down uh, your investment to whatever you're working on, you've got to know that that investment isn't going to be squandered in in a way that, uh, you know, you can't uh, allow that to your, yourself to lose that money in a, in a way that you feel uncomfortable with. You know, you, you put your money at risk. That's what business is. And you couldn't lose it all. You could lose some or you could uh, succeed and, and, you know, live that American dream that all many folks are, are looking to achieve. You mentioned earlier about the digital lifestyle and it being a, a robust marketplace and not wanting to be a one hit wonder. Talk us through what other type of whole products, standalone or product extensions um, that you think are interesting that you really want to build out in the company. If any of them are, are uh, things you're keeping under wraps now, we understand. But anything you can share with us, we'd really love to get a sense of where the company's headed. Absolutely. So uh, we started a very early on ideation on not only the uh, the Lagio lap desk and what we're going to do with that. <clears throat> there are a, in fact, a number of accessories. There are six accessories right now that we'll be coming to market with right out of the gate in September. Uh, and then the customizations and certain elements that we'll be able to do with that uh, are also elements to that, that line of products. In addition to that, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a number of other products or accessories that we'll be building out on the Lagio desk line. Um, just as an example, uh, we've got a, uh, a, if you know our Lagio desk, the mouse pads on the left hand, right hand side of the desk slide out. That's a, we consider that a module. They can slide out and it can be replaced with another device or accessory. One accessory could be if you're an accountant and you want a full 10 key pad to be right there accessible, but locked down to the table, it's gonna be available. A stylus pad is another example. If, you, if you're a uh, CAD designer and instead of having a, a Wacom board or some other type of board that you use to use a stylus on uh, to, to, uh, to do design or development or whatever drawing or artistic work or whatever you might do, that will also be sliding into the module. And that can be left-handed or right-handed. That's one of the advantages of the way that we've designed the desk. The disadvantage is it's, some of the feedback is it's slightly larger than the other desk, but it, that will be one of the future products that we will address is smaller sizes. So right now the flagship product is larger and then we'll have one with maybe just a right-handed uh, desk or a left-handed desk so you can still have the module and then even a smaller one than that that will just house the the lap, laptop or tablet or uh, other devices all by itself so those are examples that along the Lagio line we also went through a, a number of ideations on other products that fit that digital lifestyle uh, uh, vision of the company we have a number of them identified all of them are uh, one was we were looking at funding for an initial design or ideation phase to get it started 
but based on uh, the length of time that we've gone through design development and engineering on the current product, I put that on hold just because we want to make sure that we have the, the cash flow and resources available to us to ensure that we get a great product and delivery of the Lagio product line. Well, this has been great. Um, to transition a little bit to kind of some big picture of philosophy, is there a, a favorite quote or leadership principle or something like that that helps guide or inspire you? Yeah, so, uh, and both of you may, yeah, I'm sure, recognize this. I'm, I do love history, and I, I've always been a someone that has walked uh, or studied history because I believe that it is important to how we interact and deal with things happening today and in the future. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, there's a famous line that he had from the, the citizen in the Republic uh, speech that he gave uh, with regards to the man in the arena. Uh, it's a long quote, but just a, a portion of it is, you know, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails at least, fails while daringly greatly, daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Now, what that is telling us is you gotta be bold enough to go do, uh, be an entrepreneur. You gotta be willing to take on that risk. You've gotta walk away. You know, I had a great job. I, I was well compensated. I had a great team with me. Uh, we were doing some very good, extraordinary things for not only our, our, our military, our allied partners, commercial customers uh, but I knew that there was something in my heart that I felt like I always wanted to do something on my own and so looking back on my venture capital days I was the guy investing in that entrepreneur I was on the other side of the desk I was the one that was saying yeah I think your idea your team is a great team and we're willing to put some money down on it I wanted to be on that side of that table I wanted to be that entrepreneur that took that risk that that uh, really went after what was a dream. Now we changed our dream mid-stride. We, we spent two years on that initial business plan that I described or, or kind of talked about. And that two-year business plan just is sitting on the shelf today. It's a great business plan. It's a, it's a company that uh, has great possibilities, but we had to, had to stop, pivot, and look to a new company. And we, we certainly believe Eon Gold is going to be a great company, and that's certainly the intent. We're excited to see where you go with the company. We're excited to see uh, the Lagio laptop desk come to market. Um, it, obviously, podcast today doesn't have all the visuals. Um, where can our listeners um, learn more about your products and see them, uh, as well as where can they get in contact with you if, if they'd like to connect? Absolutely. You can go to uh, eongold.com. That's A-E-O-N-G-O-L-D.com. It's a first-generation uh, website. We're right in the process of redeveloping that website, and we'll have an e-commerce engine on the back end, uh, hopefully in the next two to three weeks. But you can go there and get some basic information off that site, and there's a, uh, a contact us form and a subscribe to our newsletter form there, and we'd love to reach out to you. And certainly if there's uh, other questions, we will we'll reach out to you as quickly as possible. Troy, thanks a lot for the time. Uh, it's been a great conversation, and thanks for sharing your experience as well as some of your insights. Thanks, guys, and I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to uh, maybe another future uh, conversation once we, once we get this launched.
what we're also getting is um, the corporate customers are starting to come online. Uh, we've been out and we've talked to Google, Facebook, uh, PayPal. They're all very interested for two different reasons. One is if you know the design of the new corporate spaces, they have these large meeting spaces, these large uh, collaboration spaces. Uh, beanbag chairs and sofas and ping pong tables and whatever else they have in there. But oftentimes the, the employees are coming in there and they're, they're doing the balance the uh, laptop on their knee thing. And so they're very interested in putting these sprinkling around the collaboration center so that when they come in there, they can use the, the desk as a, you know, get some more functionality out of the laptops. And then the HR teams are really interested in it. As you know, out in Silicon Valley in particular and hiring in general across the country, it's tight. And so they design these incentive packages with all the swag, you know, you get your, your Noble Point shirt and your Noble Point pen and your Noble Point hat, absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, one of the things in, in these companies is they would like the employees to go ahead and, and uh, buy the lap desks so that they will use them at their house and still get productivity out of their team. And so it, it's part of their incentive package is, uh, you know, also trying to get more work out of them when they're not actually at work. So, you know, for us, it, it, it works out great. So, and then we're seeing a, a big interest out of hotel chains as well. We've, we've got a, uh, an order for a couple hundred out of uh, just one hotel and they're going to put them into their suites it's probably too big, they said, for their standard hotel room, but all their suites, they want to outfit their suites with uh, with this so that they can really kind of take that experience up to the next level. That's awesome. I always wonder this. How, how do you get in touch with those type of companies like Google, Facebook, these hotel chains? Like, how did you get in front of them to get that? That's like every entrepreneur's biggest challenge. Even yeah. when you know, like how to figure out how to build something, it's like, you figured out a way to get in front of Google and Facebook so they can order these things for their shared spaces and send them to hotels. How'd you, how'd you get in front of those guys? So I'm an advisor on a, uh, a tech startup, a, about a 13 year old tech startup. Uh, the founder of that uh, startup came out of Hewlett Packard and he bought the technology off of Hewlett Packard and has been doing design and development and uh, sales on that for many years. And it's all data center migration uh, technology. And so uh, through that company and a Booz Allen colleague of mine that works for them, um, they have been doing PayPal and Facebook and uh, Google data centers uh, for a few years now. And they walked in with it and said, hey, we'd like uh, to show you this, the, the, the friend of mine, the Booz Allen colleague. And he has been a, a good uh, source to get into a, a number of companies. And there's a there's another company that I'm, I'm working with uh, that is doing consulting work in Silicon Valley. Uh, great consulting, uh, kind of boutique consulting, and I've been supporting them for a while. But they uh, uh, they have inroads. She the the founder is a former CFO. I think she was a CFO or. CTO, sorry, CTO of a, a couple of large companies, not not the Google, Facebook large, but, you know, still pretty big companies. And she has just, she's rocketing through the uh, the Silicon Valley world and 
through her and some other contacts. It's that social, it's the networking thing, I guess, is what it all comes down to. Networking is so dominant in everything we do, and it's really that face-to-face -face interaction, kind of like we're doing right now, even though we're 2,000 miles apart, this is important because it builds that relationship, it builds that trust. And uh, for us and entrepreneurs, you know, Joe and I go back, yeah, you know, 30, how many years now? 35 years or whatever it is. You know, that's a long time. And I, I would trust Joe. If Joe called me tomorrow and said, hey, I need you to be here, I'd be there. I wouldn't even ask why. Just tell me where you want me to be, right? And that's the type of trust that, uh, that I have with him and, and would certainly do that for others as well. But not, not very many. There's a handful out there that I have that level of trust. In fact, one of the founders that, that Jeff knows is a classmate of ours. And, uh, you know, I would just hand him my checkbook. I'd say, Jeff, if you need to write a check, write the check. It's yours. You know, uh, let's figure out how to do this right. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Troy Goldhammer, and we will leave you with this quote from Pete Seeger, product director at DocuSign. Any damn fool can make something complex. It takes a genius to make something simple. Thanks for joining us on the Financial Operating Base podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so send us your questions or feedback to financialoperatingbase at gmail.com.